are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network one of us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions we do accept pitches for audio based or banner ads but on a case-by-case basis if you're interested in that contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at $2, $5, $10, or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. Should we say, hey, everybody, welcome to Books and Beer. Hi, this is a podcast where we talk about the books that we read and the beer that we're drinking, but we're not all drinking beer. In fact, none of us are drinking beer right now. But right now, well, I am. Well, I'm going to be. Yeah, I will. I will be, too. Live Oak Big Bark. What are you drinking, Zach? Um, I'm drinking some tequila and some sparkling water and some Gatorade. What the hell is going on over there, man? You made me spill my shit. (laughs) Um, yeah, I was trying to make a margarita. Oh, yeah, there's some simple syrup in here, too. Why would you put simple syrup? You already have Gatorade in there. (laughs) No, I put, no, I put simple syrup in there first. And it just wasn't enough. Like, we didn't have enough simple syrup. So I just dumped some Gatorade in there. And that uh, that's working out way better. That is, oh, my God. That is the lowest, trashiest shit I've ever heard. That's like a Gatorade? cocktail. <laughs> it, it, it tastes like uh, definitely something like the like a Baja Blast. That's yeah. what it tastes like. Well, Zach is a skater boy now. So that's definitely in the skater boy uh, world there. He's looking more and more like a skater boy, too. I was doing some shove-its earlier in the house today. Why don't you just shove it, dude? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Miguel, no one asked you what you're drinking because nobody gives a shit. Yeah. Uh, Well, I've given up up beer uh, because I don't want to die early. So uh, instead, I've switched to tequila. Tequila and Coke. But it's Coke Zero. It's Coke Zero. Still, still cancer. But I, I really haven't drank in this whole quarantine. Uh, but I thought I should at least drink something while we're recording. Yeah, this podcast. I, you haven't drank this whole quarantine. No, well, interesting. I, you, you know what? I drink when I'm hanging around with you guys. Yeah, I we guess we're bad influences. When we're palling around online. Yeah. Or or in we're a, coughing in each other's mouth when I'm carrying your ass on Halo. <laughs> When I'm carrying your ass on Halo. No, this isn't fair, dude. This is, I mean, it's the the gravity changes every shot. The 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 shape of the ball. This is not fair. This is not fair, dude. <laughs> or when we're playing uh, golf with friends. That, that game has turned us not friends. <laughs> golf with people we have to tolerate now. Golf with friends is a fun game, man. I like it. Yeah. It's like it's addictive. Speaking of it's uh, super chill. <laughs> speaking of very fun, H.P. Lovecraft. Dude, wait! Before, but, but, but even before we get into that, have y'all are, have y'all been reading shit that you like 
Yeah, yeah, a lot. just a couple of things. Okay, so I just I actually am reading James Elroy and I finished uh, L.A. Confidential. Uh huh. It's fucking great. I mean, it's just great writing. Uh, and then I started reading uh, S.A. Cosby's Blacktop Wasteland, which just came out. And it's mm-hmm. another crime novel, and it's I've only I'm only a chapter deep, but it it starts off great. I know it's going to be great. Uh, it's just. So I've been in, I've been in the crime genre recently, noir, you know. So and I, I'm enjoying it. Sick. That's all uh, I gotta say about that. And well, speaking of crime, uh, I started reading Criminal by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. I think uh, I read the first two volumes, and that's really good. I'd recommend that to both of y'all. Both of y'all would enjoy that a lot. Uh, it's a graphic novel. Yeah, they're graphic novels. They're serialized as issues first, but you, like, you just read them as as didn't a Miguel. Tell us to read Ed Brubaker a while ago. Was that Miguel? Uh, I, I haven't read too much of him, but I mean, I did read, I did read that one. Yeah, it's or really the first good. issue, first issue of it. Um, and then another thing, Miguel's been trying to get me to read for a while. I just read a bunch. To like the last couple of days is uh, what's this su- that superhero one? Invincible. Invincible. Yeah, they're coming out with an Amazon show. Yeah, is wow. it good? It, it's it. I, the first like three issues are kind of like they're all right, um, but then once it's like gets into volume two and three, it's really good. I tell you, man, yeah. I'm glad, glad I, to hear you. Or, I mean, the give thing a is shot. like. It's yeah, I, I and I knew and I I was just thinking like I had read some some of that criminal, which is like, you know, it you can read it pretty fast, but it's like, I don't know, it's a different kind of engagement. But Robert Kirkman is just like potato chips. It's just like you just keep reading it and keep reading it. It's so easy to read. And all of his stuff is like that. The Walking Dead, Outcast, all of it. The dialogue's great. There's not a ton of words on the page. You just flip through the pages. So I, I don't know. I like it. What I really like about Invincible, it's just, it's everything you love about a superhero comic, and it never gets rebooted. You know? Yeah. It just keeps on going. You don't have to worry about um, the summer, the summer arc where every, where everybody's got to come in and all that shit. You know? It's just get to, it's just you know you get to be in this world with all the characters that you love. You don't have to worry about another. Um, well, he did have a, at a time he did have uh, his own universe sort of stuff, but it didn't feel the same as Marvel or DC. You didn't have to like buy the event to figure out what's going on now no no you didn't is is there so there is a moment like in the second volume where there's a i think character named savage dragon which is like eric larson's character is that uh is that just like a cameo or is that like a thing miguel well so uh yeah so Kirkman got his uh, first uh, gigs in the comic book industry through Eric Larson. He was actually doing um, lettering for Eric Larson. Mm-hmm. And then so they always they had this really great relationship. So when Invincible um, kind of hit off, he would have uh, Savage Dragon show up. In, so Savage Dragon is Eric Larson's own you know yeah. creation through Image. So they would show up in each other's comic books and um, – 
Yeah, like so there would be uh, story arcs with Invincible in Savage Dragon, and and not so much Savage Dragon in, in Invincible, but but the other way around, it definitely went. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never really got into Eric Larson or Savage Dragon or any of the early Image stuff, but it, it made me curious. It's better than Spawn. I don't know. I, I don't know. Andrew liked Spawn, I think. Well, well, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, very young person, so you were probably about 21 years old already, uh, <laughs> when Spawn came out, uh, of course I liked Spawn. And then I, I kind of bought some Savage Dragon comics, but I never really got it. you know. And then recently I read something about uh, a recent Savage Dragon that was like, I guess there was no text, or it was just all like nine-panel uh, sheets, throughout nine paddle grids yeah 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 but it was just like straight but it was like it was kind of like an art project now that kind of intrigued me to try to go back but i never did well eric uh, larson is really cool because he'll he <laughs> will just for example um there or the original savage dragon retired and now it's his son that's that's yeah. the savage dragon so he does shit like that he's not he's not afraid to you know trash it out and I, I think they I did like, the same thing in Spawn. Well, I like the experimental nature of, of those kind of things. I like the like, experimental creators. Like, it doesn't always work, but at least they gave it a shot, you know? Yeah. It, uh, isn't it like three? Isn't it like one of the longest going? It's the longest run of anything with the same creator, right? Well, I, I don't think he's writing the comic book anymore currently. Uh, but the numbers, the numbers haven't changed, right? It's like issue. Yeah whatever yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but I think Usagi Ojimbo or whatever might be Usagi Ojimbo might be up there for longest running I always yeah. see that comic around I'm interested in it but uh, well, that's yeah, I don't, know, manga, where to, I don't right? know where to jump in yeah. that's a manga right I think that there's a manga that's about baseball that's that's the longest running sequential art by the same artist the yeah. same thing I think it's like 40 years or something like that <clears throat> I'm so, glad to hear that you like that. And I, I think for your birthday, Andrew, I got you like the first um, trade paperback, and apparently you didn't like it. You piece of shit. What <laughs> of, invin- of invisible? Invincible? Invinci- no, <laughs> invisible. no, uh, you no, you got me. Uh, Why the last man? Oh right, right, right. Okay, yeah. And I liked it. And I got you this it, the second I, or the third. And I liked it, and then I bought the third <laughs> volume, and I liked it, but I liked it less. Um, it, yeah, it, but. but I just, speaking about potato chips, you know, like the writing, you keep writing. I do want to say something about James Elroy is that he kind of writes in this really like really quick style, just like bangs it out. Mm-hmm. And so the chapters, you'll get like you'll, you'll get like three two page chapters in a row. So like, I'll just go to the next one. I'll just go to the next one. Just keeps going, keeps going. The plot's moving. Everything's fucking great. And then you get like a 20 page chapter and you're oh, like, Fuck, I'm already invested, you know, so you keep going. But he writes a very punchy style. It's like... Um, he won't even say this person said. It'd almost be like a reporter or like uh, someone uh, taking down notes or just be like, Zach, and then quotes, whatever you say. Miguel, quotes, whatever you say. So it goes like really quickly. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's for lack of a better word, very tight. I'd definitely check that out. Um, so since you guys asked me, uh, I haven't uh, really. Yeah, what do you read? <laughs> hey, hey, man, I I see I set you up with the fucking <laughs> invincible man. Yeah, um, I haven't really been reading a lot uh, I, for a while. I just wasn't reading. But uh, Hillary and I, we got into reading The Princess Bride. I, I read that to her, mm-hmm. and that kind of that was a lot of fun. Um, but that got me back into reading, and now we're I'm kind of reading shit that I know I love. And so we're reading uh, Then We Came to the End by Joshua Ferris. You guys ever read that? 
Um, so this is really like, so, uh, Zach, I know you, you, you work in corporate, Andrew less so, but this is really like, just gets into the daily grind of working in a corporate culture and the kind of personalities you deal with. It's, it's completely hilarious. And we read it about a decade ago when it first came out. And I've, since then, this is probably one of the only books that I've reread over and over. And so I just started picking that up. And then with that, it was easier to read these piece of shit H.P. Lovecraft stories that we read. <laughs> they, were, they were really. Uh, well, what was that called again? Uh, then we came to the end. Then we came to the end. By Joshua all, Ferris. All right. So do you want to just go into it? Go into. I just want to start talking about H.P. Lovecraft. And it's just, and Zach's already seen my assessment, is everything H.P. Lovecraft writes is, it was scarily scary. It was describably indescribable. Like literally every description has some kind of ooh, and that was indescribable, and wasn't it scary? You know, it's just like ah, it's too much. Um, it's not enough. You mean there's there's overlong descriptions that really he's lazy halfway through. You know, Um, describing something as indescribable to me—that's a cop out. There are some things that can be indescribable for sure, but literally every single thing he describes has some aspect of indescribability, and he just lays on it. All right, so I I know you guys want to blow past this, but I can't. He's such a racist piece of shit. I need people to know how bad of a writer he is. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. The two stories we read, what were they, Miguel? Color Out of Space and The Call of Cthulhu. All right, now let's talk about how much. Now, now, now bang it out. Just beat the shit out of this guy. All right, so first, all right, so if I'm talking about Color Out of Space, right, I liked this story better when it was called Weeds, or as also known as The Lonesome Death of Jordy Verrill, written by Stephen King, which showed up in Creep Show. Do you remember that one? Oh, um, shit. Yeah, I this- guess that kind of is. Like Stephen King, yeah, that's. I mean, I mean obviously, it's, it's also yeah, it's like roadside picnic, and also like fucking. Uh, yeah. So, so, annihilation. so the premise is 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 basically that a meteor hits, uh, but it's this takes place in the eighteen eighties or something, mm-hmm. so eighteen hundreds. A meteor hits, um, and you know, a, a prospector surveyor goes out. And it's always he does this with every fucking story he's ever written. It always starts out and it's like a surveyor or a newspaper person. And then he goes to interview someone. And then that person's like, I've got a story. Actually, it's not my story. It's a friend of mine. A friend of mine, my neighbor, experienced this crazy thing. So we're already like three degrees of separation away from the the actual narrative and like the characters that all of the horrific things are happening to so this meteor comes and there's some scientists come check it out they don't know what the fuck's wrong like what the fuck's up with it it seems to be disappearing it turns the grass brittle it turns like the uh it, it makes the food grown from it inedible and it makes every and it makes them turn into this weird color but yeah, I mean that's that's the 
the the gist of it. This one's a little bit less racist than the other story, but like it straight up says, he's like, you know, all the people who weren't foreigners that weren't dimwits got out of there. He basically just says foreigners are idiots and they stayed. Uh, Right. I don't want to cut you off, but uh, I got the quotes here from the story of every time he mentioned foreigners and I'm just going to read it. (laughs) First one. First, uh, the old folk have gone away and foreigners do not like to live there. French Canadians have tried it. Italians have tried it. And the Poles have come and departed. It is not because of anything that can be seen or heard or handled, but because of something that is imagined. All right. Second, the place is not good for the imagination and does not bring uh, restful dreams at night. It must be this which keeps the foreigners away. Uh, Okay. next one. I did not wonder that the foreigners would not stay for this was no region to sleep in. Uh, next one. They say the mental influences are very bad, too. Numbers went queer in the years after Nahum's taking, and always they lacked the power to get away. Then the stronger-minded folk all left the region, and only the foreigners tried to live in the crumbling old homesteads. They could not stay, though, and one sometimes wonders what insight beyond ours their wild, weird stores of whispered magic have given them. Uh, last one. It wasn't right. It was against nature, and he thought of those terrible last words of his stricken friend. It come from some place where things ain't as they is here. One of them professors said so. So he's always talking about the others. He, he This guy is infatuated with, with the others. And uh, I also... Um, I have seven instances of him using the word describe and not describing anything. Ah, God, (laughs) it's the worst. Uh, All right, one. The color, which resembled some of the bands in the meteor's strange spectrum, was almost impossible to describe, and it was only by analogy that they called it color at all. Next. Uh, The proportions of its body seemed slightly altered in a queer way impossible to describe, while its face had taken on an expression which no one ever saw in a woodchuck before. Weird. <laughs> Three. It had, I mean, how many people have, can describe a woodchuck's expressions? You know? I could describe a beaver, but uh. <laughs> sure. uh so the next. The hairy... I'm, I'm moving on, Andrew. I'm moving on, Andrew. I'm moving on. It happened in June, about the anniversary of the meteor's fall, and the poor woman screamed about things in the air which she could not describe. In her raving, there was not a single specific noun, <laughs> but only verbs and pronouns. So he's right. like, this lady is me. Uh, for what it, what it is, only God knows. In terms of matter, I suppose that the thing Ami described would be called a gas, but this gas obeyed laws that are not of our cosmos. Five. All the while, the shaft of phosphorescence from the well was getting brighter and brighter, bringing to the minds of the huddled men a sense of doom and abnormality, which far outraced any image their conscious minds could form. Two more. At this point, as a column of unknown color flared suddenly stronger and began to weave itself into fantastic suggestions of shape, which each spectator later described differently, no description of what they said. There came from poor tethered hero, the horse, such a sound as no man before or since ever heard from a horse. <laughs> Last one. The horse At- just said, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> what's up? <laughs> At this point, as the column of unknown color flared strongly and began to... Oh, no, no, every person in that 
low-pitched sitting room stopped his ears, and Ami turned away from the window in horror and nausea. Words could not convey it. When Ami looked out again, the hapless beast lay huddled inert on the moonlit ground between the splintered shafts of the buggy. It's a short story, seven instances in which he used the word describe and could not describe what he was describing. Well, I I, I was really annoyed by that. And part of the th- reason why I'm annoyed by it, too, is like every story is almost like relayed through somebody else like Zach was talking about. It's always like let's talk about these things that happened and it's spooky. And not only is it spooky, I can't describe it and nobody else could describe it. And by the way, I'm not the person who was there that would have been able to describe it. Right. It's just, (laughs) so, I mean, there, there are cool ideas, uh, you know, meteorite idea. That's a cool idea. Um, changing the, the landscape, changing the, the whole physics of the place or whatever. But um, those ideas needed more ca- a more capable writer. Yeah, I I I think the thing is he he's not good with characters. He has no one has any emotion except or for story like, terror. I mean, I yeah. mean it's a, it, it has a story. I mean, it's just that there's no connection. Like there's no there's no investment in any of the character. I this. The color out of space was the one that I was most invested in, and and that was just because I found it funny that the Ami character had he, he kind of got stuck with the crazy guy who had like gotten so kind of drive the color out of space or whatever the meteor drives people mad yeah and he kept having to go over to this guy's house and that was kind of funny to me like because I feel like we've all been. And I don't think that he meant to do to create this, but like you've ever y'all have been in that situation where you're like trying to leave someone's house and they just like keep getting in the way of you leaving. And now hey, like you still live in Austin, Chappie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is there was like a little bit of that awkwardness that was like kind of described. And that's like the best writing that he's ever done. <laughs> yeah. I do think that um, the um, the problem with the characters is they all serve the exact same purpose almost. Um, like the, the, there's not much distinction between characters besides one's a guy, one guy's crazy or whatever. But all the characters are just kind of this flat 2D um, describers of indescribable. Yeah, you know, they're just describing indescribable plot points. Right. So it's so it's 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 boring, and I feel like. Later we can talk more about his his influence and stuff because that's like undeniable. Yeah, uh, Call, uh, yeah. Call but, of Cthulhu is even worse. Call yeah. of Cthulhu is to me is way more boring, and it's hard. It was hard to finish that one. Um, I, I think my problem with him is uh, I was listening to a interview with uh, Jora Lansdale on uh, um, Max Booth's podcast. Uh, oh yeah. And he, I read, I haven't read as much Charles Lanzo as you guys have, but when he's writing about race, he writes the rednecks or the racists completely like disgusting, where you think they are scum. And he does that because he wants people to know that they're scum. Um, the, with with H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, he's writing as a racist who would like to uh, propagate his racist ideas. And so it's difficult for me to 
to divorce the artist from the art. In some instances, I can do that. In this particular instance, I can't because the art what, itself is racist. The art itself yeah. is racist, you know, and it, it sucks. We'll talk about it with uh, uh, Lavelle later on. He, I, I don't like cosmic horror, and I don't. This is a little too sci-fi for me. But there are a lot of people of color who got into um, cosmic horror and. You know, I was. Uh, we could talk about it later, but like they didn't see themselves in this genre, and so they created their own genre, or you know, they created themselves in the genre, and that's cool for them. But for me, I, I just couldn't do it. I, I, I don't like this genre, and it's probably because of H.P. Lovecraft. He, uh, yeah, he's a piece of shit. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a piece of shit, and the only purpose that uh, the other serves is to just uh, make them, you know. Uh, Below, you know, white people in in well, the book. It, it's obvious. I it's mean, not he, just it's not just that though. Like in Call of Cthulhu, they're the monsters. Yeah. Like they're the cultists, and yeah, they're described. You know, so we they're can, the bad we can, guys. So let's finish up a uh, color out of space, and then we can move on to Call of Cthulhu. Or do you want to talk about the movie now? Well, uh, just about color out of space. I think the idea, the premise, is great. It's a good idea, um, but overall boring, and yeah. uh, and, and just like kind of hackneyed. Like, yeah, anybody else he, could have written it, and it would have been he, better. He obviously <laughs> he obviously has a place in the mythos, or, or he created the mythos. Yeah, he, he has a place in the genre. Obviously, hundreds of thousands of people, million, maybe millions of people, like love him. But so I'm not trying to take that away. But I wish that people would. Because you don't know who's reading this shit, you know? There's people who are reading this shit and, are, and are, are taking it in without even realizing it, you know? Yeah. That's my now, last part on that. I mean, I, I mean, I understand that that argument. But I do think the H.P. Lovecraft argument is has been done so many times. Like, everybody, everybody who's – I mean, I guess writers and, and people who are, like, really steeped in the genre – they all know, and they basically wrestle with H.P. Lovecraft's legacy like every year. I think they um, don't care. I think a lot of people don't care. There's a lot of privilege out there where they don't have to deal with it. Well, you know, and there are assholes out there. They're just like, you don't understand. Here's here's my problem with like H.P. Lovecraft fans is like, there's a degree of you can still you can still admit that you like the stories, right? Uh, even apart from the racism. But why, why even defend H.P. Lovecraft as not a racist if he's verifiably a racist? So you can just say, like, look, I like the stories. Obviously, he's a racist, and I don't, ha- I don't want to spend any time uh, uh, defending his racism. I just want to talk about the stories and the ideas, blah, blah, blah. But then there are people who basically will go out of their way to be like, he wasn't a racist. It's like, dude, the record shows he was obviously a racist um, and 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 some people try to say well he was of his time but you know i've read articles about this and even for his time he was an extreme racist yeah well that and he i held say extreme views i say bullshit on that because we read robert e howard who is contemporary and what did he do with the person of color in that very first story that we read cole you know he 
he in the shadows or whatever like he he ends up saving the main character yeah which is the picked or whatever ends up being a good guy even though they hated each other literally because of race yeah so he was tackling racism you know and you know at at the same time which Uh, which today that that, which today that trope would also be seen as like racist like the 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 person of colors only only uh only uh role or or uh, um factor that makes them good if they save the white main character but there's the a sacrif- market yeah, yeah the sacrificial but, negro yeah but there's also a market difference between that that treatment versus hp lovecraft treatment. yeah well and i wouldn't say that it even quite fits that trope though because then that character became a main character and he was like his body he was like his number one uh, we're talking about robert e howard though. i don't know i just robert e howard is just so much better like when we look at these two people i will like, agree to that uh, robert you, e howard's stories were a lot better like, than if you look at they'll they'll have similar subject matter they'll have cosmic craziness but like you care about who the characters are there's action everything is described like you're in the moment it's not like five degrees removed like you know i i I don't know like you feel like you're in the moment but like with all of this it just seems like you're reading news articles about something that happened a long ass time ago and it's boring i mean it's fucking boring it is especially call of cthulhu and uh, we're not even going to talk about H.P. Lovecraft's poem on the creation of N-Words. Oh, I, 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 a, honestly, I didn't even know that existed. So Yeah, written in 1912. Uh, okay. A line from it says, the beasts for lesser parts were next wow. design. What? Yeah. He compares them to beasts. Oh, my and, God. And, yeah, so... So, so don't even try to tell me he's not racist because he's obviously racist and his racism comes. I'm not saying you guys aren't. I'm saying yeah, in yeah. general, people who defend him, he's so, racist and and it comes out in his works. That's all I was trying to say. We can move on to. I mean, it uh, is his work, basically. I mean, yeah, a poem named that is there's he's not hiding it. No, um, not at all. Uh, that's good. Finish long drink. I'm drinking a uh, feel good machine light circus hazy IPA. Yeah, it's really good. I've been drinking it all day. I've been playing Halo. All day? Uh, yeah. Are you playing with like a, a professional group? No, nah, I was just doing campaign shit. No, nah, I'm not sweating. I'm okay. sweating. I was playing with Taylor too. Oh, yeah? Shit, she's already going to be better than me. Yeah, I know <laughs> she is quit. for sure. Um, what have you guys been doing in this uh, during the freaking pandemic? Uh, let's, let's, give our, let's give our fan a, an update. Well, we decided probably we thought this might be the end of the pandemic, but maybe we're in the middle of it. But we decided to revive this fucking show. Are we even friends anymore, guys? I don't I don't know. Y'all's hair look different. Which one of you guys is Zach? Which one of you guys is Andrew? Oh, are you making all white people look the same joke? All white people matter. Uh, well, I have been. Let's uh, not get pre- political. <laughs> I've been Marie condoing my house. Oh yeah, you've done a bunch of stuff in your house. Yeah, I put up a shed, all that shit. Yeah. How many bodies are in there? <laughs> Just the one. Hey, can cook? you put up a a half pipe in my backyard? Ah uh, shit, that would be dope. Dude, fucking drain your pool. <laughs> I don't have a pool. 
No, Miguel, drain your pool. That way oh, yeah. Zach can have his yeah. own playground. Yes, please. You can like watch him from your sunroom. <laughs> what is this, California Dreamin'? What was that video game on NES? Do you remember that, Andrew? Because you don't no. remember that. I don't um, remember that. NES. I think you think of Atari 2700. <laughs> you know what's funny, though, is like I was talking to Max last week, and he got all my references. So it's it's Zach. It's not me. No, that, Zach Max is, is younger than than Zach. Yeah, Zach is aggressively aggressively <laughs> anti boomer stuff. Yeah, yeah, and Zach, you just you just throw boomer humor constantly. No, I don't. All right, so um, next one we we read was the Call of Cthulhu. Call of Cthulhu. Yeah, which Zach or Andrew, you guys want to give a recap on it? Dude, it's like a dreaming uh, god, elder god that's like asleep at under the ocean is driving people mad. And that sounds really interesting when I say that, but the way it's described is really boring. Yeah, I, I fell asleep uh, while listening to it a couple times. So I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, I liked this one more than I liked the uh, the last one, and that's not saying much because I didn't like that one very much. Uh, but you know, people say you got to give them credit for being, you know, like Andrew was saying, the ideas and all that. But the Kraken, written by Tennyson, was written like in, in 1830. Mm-hmm. The Kraken is the same thing. It's uh, you know a huge aquatic creature sleeping for an eternity at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. So, and it's not that original. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not going to say that. I mean, H.P. Lovecraft, didn't he die like penniless or something? Is he one of those guys? Uh, I think you're thinking uh, of Poe. Yeah. Well, po no, was... I mean, I know Poe. I, I just thought maybe H.P. Lovecraft also died penniless. Well, he wasn't. He didn't get the revival until the 60s, I believe. So no one knew who he was until like the sixties. I mean, I wonder what, how, how did he come? How did he come back into Vogue? Um, you know, I, I, what was the cultural uh, zeitgeist that brought him back out of hell? You know what I mean? I don't know. I think it's reprints because I think like Conan got re they were reprinting those and then they were like what else is popular in strange or uh, weird tales it's like well lovecraft had way more stories published in weird tales so yeah, let's just sense. mine that that's that's my guess yeah um i think uh yeah and, and here's the thing we're also gonna get to chambers and chambers was like 30 years before lovecraft and also had similar themes and stuff like that. So obviously he's not completely original. Yeah. So for whatever, so, for whatever reason, our culture remembers him as like the, you know, the statue of, of cosmic horror and and, and weirdness and people going crazy and yeah, being terrified the, all the time. The madness, like madness as a, a disease that can be like, you know, caught. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chambers did that 30 years before as like, uh, you know, the, the yellow, the king in yellow was like something that if you watched, it would drive you mad. And so that's kind of like what he ripped off here. Um, but but also 
like i don't know like we don't we're not getting into like characters in any of this stuff because there isn't any like there's there's no there's you can only really talk about the big picture because with um with Lovecraft, there's nothing but the big picture. You, there's no character to dissect. There's no choice that a character made that's interesting or not. You know, it's just like, all right, well, this person killed themselves at the end of the story because they, you know, they went high on morphine because of how terrible what they saw was or whatever. You know, that's all of his stories. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty boring. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't a fan of Lovecraft stuff at all. Uh, I had read stuff by him before and it just never really it never really hit me in the same way people who there are people who love Lovecraft and that's like I mean fine so, okay I mean so, obviously Lavelle loves like is very influenced by Lovecraft yeah. uh, himself it's dedicated to HP Lovecraft well and it's based off a story yeah of you know of a Lovecraft story so people who really love him and um or or, or they love the ideas or whatever, whatever it is that they love him for, I do not have the same attachment to him. Uh, I'll say he has some pretty interesting sentence structure, uh, and so some some of his sentences are pretty like they read well, but like, but that's really the only thing I can like say that's cool about his craft. Like his ideas, that's something else. Like okay, yeah. he's got cool ideas, but like his craft is fucking terrible in my opinion. Like it it just it's not engaging. It doesn't grab me. I'm not it's not entertaining. It's like reading a fucking textbook of some alt history, you know? Yeah. I I'm not yeah, it's just basically someone telling you what something what happened, why it was scary. Everything happens, you know, divorced from whoever's telling it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know that there's even much to dissect at all. Yeah. Um, um, so one of the things I wanted to bring up is um, his language is so insidious. Um, you'll read something and not realize what it was he was talking about. And there, there was a sentence uh, that really interested me. And he was talking about a uh, a um, a boat or a ship, whatever. And he said uh, it was crewed by a queer and evil-looking crew of kanakas and half castes from Dinah. That is bad. That is just racism. Yeah, and I didn't. I was like, what are? Because you can be like, oh, he just made up like just uh, some some people. I, I never heard of the word. So what does that mean? So kanakas uh, are kind of because I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. I probably shouldn't even be saying the word, but uh, it's where workers from various Pacific islands employed in British colonies such as British Columbia, uh, Fiji, Solomon Islands, Papua gotcha. New Guinea, uh, in early 1920, early and I'm sorry, 19th and early 20th centuries, they worked in California as well. It, um, so it's it's an offensive term similar to the N word. You know? Yeah. And that's just something, if you don't know what you're reading, you could just fly by it, you know? And that's what I think is happening with people who admire or, you know, are really fans of his. A lot of times you don't know that he's being a racist piece of shit. No, but think about also not just that word, but the way he described him. What Can you read that sentence again? He called him like... 
Yeah, it was. He was talking about the crew. So it was yeah. crewed by a queer and evil-looking crew of Kanakas and half castes. Let's yeah. not even talk about half castes. Yeah. He's just he's calling them evil-looking. You know, yeah. it's like that. That's that. Those are who the 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 other is like who the cultists are, and he always describes them as being evil and vile, and that just really to me makes Lavalley's the ending of his book of his story like really really good but we'll get into that later yeah it, uh, it seems like a critique of the work and it's a hundred percent lovecraft even the way who ends up being the bad guy at the end it's just like whoa this is fucking good but uh yeah, when, but when, we, when we get to that i want andrew to no us about the story. no <laughs> Uh, anyway, this one um, said trying to set aside the racist stuff. This story was more interesting than the previous story, um, so it's maybe from a one on a scale of one to ten, it's a two instead of a one. Oh, okay. What? So why did you like this one more? You know what it was. Uh, I recently set up my office and I have all my Halloween like the movie Halloween. So you were just looking at Halloween. Literally, I have one of those hue lights that you can like change a color. So I had all the lights off except for that. That was on orange. I was playing a horror game on Xbox and I had uh, the headphones on. I was listening to Call of Cthulhu and it oh, was just like... Your your Xbox works? Yeah. No, no, the freaking... Uh, <laughs> the 360. Yeah, the 360. <laughs> and my Xbox does work, you piece of shit. You uh, so what, what, what color was your LED lights? Was it indescribable? Was it a <laughs> color out of space? Yeah, it was an indescribable orange. Uh, but yeah, so th- that's probably the only reason. I was like basically w- uh, three screening it for like when you do a porn, you know, Andrew. <laughs> no, I just rapidly, I rapidly, I, I, I skip around, you know. Okay, well, there you go. Right, where's the DP? <laughs> so I, I'll say that I do think he describes things more in Call of Cthulhu. Like he he calls him like miles high, and what he you know he. He calls him like a titan, green ooze. Yeah, he definitely does describe. You know, he, they're talking about he, the Basque, and he's de- that's definitely described. That's probably why it's his most enduring work, is because people can be like, oh, that's what he's talking about. Yeah. He had prodigious claws, four feet, long, narrow wings, um, anthropoid outline, octopus like head. You know, he's he's definitely describing Cthulhu and he and he even describes like some of the 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 archaeology and the the cryptic, um, I guess, the stuff of the the underwater. I don't know. I get I get this and I get temple. I get a couple of his his stories mixed up. Um, because the the temple is really similar, and they all have like a lot of them have underwater, cyclopean, Atlantean, uh, um, you know, cities or whatever. I you know I I must have I imagine that in the nineteen teens and twenties, everyone was talking about Atlantis because this is like it. He basically all but says Atlantis, and I know that Cole 
they talk a lot about Atlantis and Cull, which is, you know, similar time frame, a couple of years after these were published. So, so you're talking about Cull, so that's your boy, Robert E. Howard, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so I got a quote by Robert E. Howard here. Uh, as a, uh, he, he regards it, the story called Cthulhu, as a masterpiece, which I am sure will live on, will live as one of the highest achievements in literature. Mr. Lovecraft holds a unique position in the literary world. He has grasped to all intents the worlds outside of our paltry ken. That's your boy. Yeah, well, it's, it's, he's like, yo, he's like, it me. It me. Yeah, it's strange to me that he was such a Lovecraft fan. And he even, you know, he wrote a couple stories. Um, I think Children of the Night. Uh, he's written a couple of uh, mythos stories. Um, but again, all of his stories take place. They're like over a night or like, you know, you get to know the characters. Yeah. You know, there's a... I don't know. Anyways, I'll I can talk about how much I love Robert E. Howard on another podcast, but he's just he's basically the way better version of if you want to read some some weird shit from the same time period, do it through, you know, someone who's a better writer and significantly less racist, at least in the work. Yeah. So a question for you guys. I might have missed it, and I was—I didn't read it. I was listening to it, and I, and I went back a couple times. Towards the end, when they actually find the door that they open to release Cthulhu, they're on a ship, right? How does that work? Or did I miss something? Did they land? Or did they ram into this door? And so he's on the deck, and he opens the door? Dude, I don't fucking remember that. All right. All right. I, I I read that a long a, like a longer time ago than y'all. Okay. I in fact I forgot I I I skimmed it right. I had all this shit like highlighted on like where he actually chose to describe things. They're they're either in a submarine because he did the temple people are in a submarine and he go i know in te- in uh, the temple he leaves the submarine and opens a door um so it's either a submarine How's or the de- <laughs> well it's not described at all here <laughs> all right we don't have to focus yeah, on it, but i was just i was just all right so are you guys finished talking about uh yeah all right, i wanted to bring up something you got you guys know the world fantasy award yeah yeah. So they used H.P. Lovecraft statue as the award. I I don't. Do they do there that was, still? There was controversy about that, that anymore. years ago. Yeah. No. It was uh, from '75 until 2016. Yeah. Uh, but I just thought, you know, that's how insipid it is to because you have when it became an issue was when you had black writers writing in this genre because then you have black writers winning the award and the award is this man who thinks of them as half casts and others and just horrible things so I think the first woman uh, who won the award I think it was in 2016 was I and I'm, I'm not I'm gonna say her name wrong and I'm sorry but and maybe one of you guys know uh, Nettie Okorafor yeah yeah 
And she, so she said that she has, um, so this is what she said. She was talking about a man who once proclaimed that the Negro is fundamentally the biological inferior of all white and even Mong- Mongolian races. And then Okofor, the first black person to ever win the WFA for Best Novel, she had an internal conflict. And she, she said, a statuette of this racist man's head is in my home. A statuette of this racist man's head is one of my greatest honors as a writer. Yeah, I mean, that's fucking ridiculous. I mean, it's I a lot to say about this guy. So I'm sorry if I'm taking over. No, I want to no, hear, hear. Yeah. Like how? I mean, would you? You don't. You wouldn't even want his fucking book in your house. Seemed like. Uh no, I, I got the well. We got the YouTube versions of it. You know. Um, yeah, I thought it was funny that um, there's a <clears throat> excuse me. There's a a board game called like the Call of Cthulhu, something like that. Mm-hmm. And the the makers of the game came out and said, yeah, we, we want the Lovecraft mythos without, without Lovecraft because he's <laughs> racist and we know that. And they got, they got a, a pushback from a lot of people playing the game. And they're like, if you don't want to buy the game because we're calling him racist, then don't buy the game. But our stance is he's a racist piece of shit, but we love the universe. And so we're, we're, we're doing that. I mean, and, so, the universe, and that's fine, you know. It's like uh, the universe. I mean, it's public domain. Every hundreds, of, hundreds of writers have written yeah. in in the can, you know, the it's, the mythos or whatever. It's no longer Lovecraft, although they owe Lovecraft the you know the universe or whatever. It's no longer Lovecraft, though. It's bigger than Lovecraft, and. You know, you can release a game and it's it's public domain. Anybody can write about it. Anybody can can borrow Cthulhu or whatever. And that is, you know, and that is part of the beauty of everything is that we own our own culture and we can destroy it and change it and evolve it as much as we want. You know, it's like it belongs to the community. Um, so, and uh, I just wanted to I cited uh, an article. That, there's a bunch of great articles about this, but. Uh, Princess Weeks, who is uh, she's a black like gamer nerd culture girl. Mm-hmm. She wrote uh, on the Mary Sue uh, on the Mary Sue website. She wrote a great article about uh, Cthulhu, the tabletop game. Um, so I just wanted to cite that. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. let's fucking go on to something like way better. Uh, it just gets better from here. Yeah. It does. All right, King in Yellow. And, you know, I loved it. I love. I mean, I, 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 I do love the stories where something can drive someone crazy, but I also love that the main character is uh, basically uh, QAnon kind of Aaron Burr. Uh, I'm going to be emperor, but I have to kill. <laughs> I have to kill my cousin. My cousin's. <laughs> it's just like it's so fucking weird. It's so conspiracy theory stuff. And to know that it was written in the 1800s is just like. Dude, it's, it, it's pretty awesome. Dude, written there's by what's the guy's name that wrote it? Uh, Robert, I, yeah, Robert Chambers. Yeah, I think it's Robert Chambers. It's uh, guys tell me why, because I'm not versed in this genre. Why did we decide to read Chambers? Is he antithesis to H.P. Lovecraft? Was he before him? Contemporary? It, so he's before he's, Lovecraft. And the other thing is, 
he did kind of have a resurgence recently because uh, in in the larger culture, outside of just like writers and horror writers, uh, because of True Detective. And because the first season of True Detective referenced Carcosa, referenced The King in Yellow. Just That's as like, what re- it was. Yeah. Just as references, but people were reading, people went back, and because every week it was like, what's going to happen? And people started like reading this book to figure out. So, in a way, and the funny thing about True Detective, like there were no twists, there was no like crazy cosmic thing. In the end, the writer pretty brilliantly drove everybody insane with the King in Yellow. So, so it was like a great, like, multi, multifaceted, uh, Allusion to the work, so it was great because yeah. the internet was aflame with like theories because they were reading this book. So he basically drove everybody crazy the same way that 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 the play drives people crazy in the book. Absolutely. So yeah. my, I I think the the reason why we bring this up is because like the the influence is like not questionable. It this is as far as I know, it's the first narrative about. Uh, madness being contagious and being like derived from something that you saw and it just literally you watch this play and then you are fucking driven insane um you know it's just similar to cthulhu driving people insane so that's why you know that's why i think we want to like say he's the precursor he's 30 years before um lovecraft and and not only that, like you're not hearing the the way in which it's written, it's from the crazy person's perspective, and so it's you're not like you're never aware just, what is real. Yeah, and you're not like three degrees removed. Oh, and the other thing is, it, doesn't it take place in like the 1930s or yeah. 40s? No, it takes and, place in the 1920s, and it's dude, like President Winthrop or something. Dude, and not only that, there was like a second civil war, and there's veterans, and there's fucking suicide chambers. It's so... You, <laughs> dude, it's... you can just go commit suicide in a fucking chamber this was written in the fucking 1800s and this guy had like this futurama thing where people could pay to go kill themselves which which the other thing is is probably future mean futurama totally lifted that you know yeah this yeah Um, but but the the way they describe the suicide chambers which if that's even true at all because we're learning it from the crazy person yeah uh, because a crazy person sees things differently he had a he had like a safe or whatever where he had like his crown, but his cousin described it as a biscuit box, you know, <laughs> and, he's like, and he called it a biscuit box. You know, he's like pissed off and his cousin would take call it. It's like funny in a weird way. Dude, but, it's hilarious. But but the, the, the suicide boxes, the way they described it was like the, the president said something about if these people don't want to if life becomes too much, then life for everybody else will be much better without them. You know, like so it's like a really weird, funny. It's like a, it's like a very dark humor joke they threw in there. I'm pretty sure it's intended to be funny. Yeah, well, because he's trying. The whole plot is he's trying to kill his cousin. He's trying to lure his cousin out to kill him, right? Yeah, and um, I, and so it seems like a little bit like Poe, right? Yeah, like it. It feels very much like a Poe story but it's also really pulpy 
Yeah, it's I, I this is actually the favorite thing that I read. Uh like in, like most enjoyed. Um the uh I just I just thought it was great. It's it's just it's really shocking. Yeah. Like it's shocking that someone from the 1800s or 1880s or whatever was able to be so contemporary in his style and his prose, like the, the suspense of like, is he going to kill his cousin, you know? And like the humor of his cousin, like not like try his, his cousin kind of like downplaying the madness of the main character. I don't know. It's just great. It's great. Well, so you guys are calling it the King Yell, but the story is actually called the repairer of reputations. Right. right. That's what it's called. Yeah. yeah sorry. Right. My bad. The yeah. repairer but, of reputations. Right. And, but the, it appears in the King of Yell. Yeah. It appears in the book, the King, the King in Yell. And the book is like basically connected short stories. Like they're not, there's some kind of connecting thread. It's the King in Yellow is a connecting thread of these stories. But, uh, yeah, the, the the story's called Repair of Reputation, and it's the first story in the book. Yeah, the the thing with this there, it's also has some racist shit in it. I mean, these writers of the times. I, well, yeah, I mean, I, definitely. I mean, this dude lived through the Civil War, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, basically, they say that the United States is prospering, and it's prospering because it's reduced the influence of immigration of foreigners. Yeah. So, and particularly Jews. Okay, so, but let's also remember, though, that the narrator is the character. So, yeah, and I so don't know the, anything about the author. I, yeah, this is the only right. story I've made that I've read, so I don't know. I have no idea if the author is actually racist or whatever, but the thoughts, the thoughts and the assessments of the time in the book would be of the crazy person narrator who's trying to kill his cousin because he wants to be emperor of America. You know what's really crazy? You, you were talking about how he's, he's anti-Semitic, and I was just thinking, not to bring back Lovecraft, but Lovecraft is extremely anti-Semitic, especially in his letters to other people. And he married a Jewish woman, which is just crazy. Yeah, like, but he literally said, like, she's one of the good ones. Like... So yeah. I don't give him any credit. I, I mean, no, no, no. Right. I I'm not giving him any credit. I'm just saying, like, how much does he how what dynamic is that? Like, he must hate himself. He hates her. Like, he oh, hates her. He HB hates Lovecraft everyone. was fucking miserable. <laughs> he was a miserable person. And it comes through. He was yeah. a misanthrope, uh, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I mean, he's racist. His dick isn't. All right, no. All right, let's continue. King and Yell, Miguel, you 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 aren't getting into it. You didn't like it. Uh, I like this one. It was it was okay. Um, it had a it was markedly better than any HP of Lovecraft that I read. So a three uh, out of ten. <laughs> that was probably Midland, about five. But it was funny is that I was reading uh, about chambers and here comes our friend hp uh, lovecraft and what he had to say about chambers chambers is like rupert hughes i don't know who the fuck that is and a few other fallen titans equipped with the right brains and education but wholly out of the habit of using them so hp lovecraft is a salty bitch what? <laughs> just shitting on this guy who's yeah. 30 years a senior also better <laughs> yeah <laughs> no but also, uh, aging <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I, I enjoyed this one better. It was an actual, felt like a story. Of, yeah. Of the, and it was actually kind of creepy, you know, because you feel for the cousin, 
right? And the cousin, it, it feels like almost a Twilight Twilight Zone episode, you yeah. know? Yeah. Because you're you're there with the cousin, you're like, fuck, the cousin doesn't know what's happening, but we do. Yeah. And um uh you know, at the we, we, at the end, spoiler alert obviously, but we think that he so I didn't understand that part. He hires this person to that's a repair of reputations whatever to kill his the girl she loves, the girl that the cousin was going to marry. Right, and we think she dies, but at the end we see that she doesn't die, and that's that's like straight out of the Twilight Zone, I think. Yeah. To to me, it feels like the reason I said Poe is it reminds me of um, Telltale Heart, right? Yeah. So it's like it's like someone uh, who who we know is like a, a a murderous scumbag, you know, and is. A, a crazy narrator it just seemed really similar to that even though this is a lot longer and more in depth and you know and probably a better story but it seems like it would like if you're if you're gonna draw a line you could say poe chambers and then um lovecraft and definitely lovecraft was super influenced by poe as well yeah, in the mountains of madness was definitely influenced by Poe. That that's the other thing that he's like basically. H.P. He, Lovecraft is so ingrained in like horror, like he H.P. Lovecraft's Reanimator, mm-hmm. and uh, what's the other one? Um, uh, Dagon, I think, is one. And yeah. uh, there's a couple other ones that oh, Color Out of Space, which we'll talk about, but. He, there's a lot of movies based on ideas of his, but that's fine as long as the the, the racist part isn't taken out. But I always give me a little twinge of anger when I see his name attached to some shit. Yeah. Anyway, so moving on. I, I, I like this one, Andrew. You liked it as well. Oh, I loved it. Um, okay. Um, so, Color Out of Space. You know, this was like one of the last movies that I saw in the theater. Like an actual theater before uh, COVID, um, yeah. I had some some guy uh, ask me for change when I was on my way into the theater. I gave him two dollars, and then he rapped for me. And then he was like, "I'm from New York. Do you want any cocaine?" And I was like, yeah. "I'm good." <laughs> I didn't realize it was when you were watching this movie when that happened. Yeah. Yeah, that was this movie. I mean, it feels like years ago. Yeah, right? That was this year, dude. That was this year when that happened. Jesus Christ. <laughs> we don't, we don't want to get super depressed right now. Yeah, I don't want to like... But, but yeah, so, dude, co- this movie? <laughs> no, wait, hold on. I, I went to... I went to um, Letterbox, and I was about to rate this movie right when I right after I saw it, right? But then I realized I don't want to give anything away. But the movie's not fucking great. Like the fucking dude, acting dude, is fuck terrible. you, dude. The acting in the beginning with the girl and the guy, they're like the flattest delivery of lines I've ever heard in my life. Uh, but but the funny thing is, it, is it gets better as it goes on. It's like the first Does it half. Does it really? It, it gets yeah, it gets more interesting visually and stuff. But Nick Cage, he Nick Cage is out, and that's fucking perfect. Tommy he Chong. Was- yeah, go ahead. I mean, but he's Nick. He's Nick Caging, dude. He like, actually d- does 
a Trump impression in one. Yeah, scene. yeah I know he does. He does. Yeah. I love it's so it. fucking weird. And then there's, <laughs> and then there's the cat named G Spot, seemingly only to make the joke. <laughs> you know, uh, doesn't so, come back at all. Yeah, well, it, well, it comes back. And it was weird. It's like it's like yeah, if you can find it, if you can find it. And it's like okay, the cat was named G Spot, <laughs> just for that one fucking joke. Oh, that, so the cat doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, it doesn't experience any pleasure. The cat. <laughs> okay. Um, so they made, um, they made directed by Richard <laughs> Stanley, the yeah. crazy person, and uh, I guess, I mean, he's kind of like a lunatic, right? He's like a chaos mage. He's he kind of reminds he's he's like a failed Grant Morrison. So what yeah, has Richard Stanley done before? So, so so Richard Stanley has done. He did a movie called Hardwired, which you probably hardware, haven't seen. Hardware, hardware, which you probably haven't seen. And then he directed like he he started directing The Island of Doctor Moreau, and then he got fired from the set. But he never left the set, and he became like a wolf man. There's a there's a documentary about like Richard Stanley and how he he got fired from that movie and then he he got the makeup artist he no, so they tried to put him on a plane to get him back to to like England they're like we want him off the set he's the problem <laughs> and uh, he just ran off into the woods and they couldn't find him and and they were like well he's no one no one showed up you know no one no one greeted him on the way back from the plane so we know he's still in australia this is shot in australia so he was just like with the natives in australia and then he eventually like he was just getting like super high and then eventually he got back onto the set and then put a bunch of uh, the makeup on the because the island of Doctor Moreau is people turning into monster people, uh, dogs turning into humans, right? Yeah. So he's like a dog man, and he's like on his own set that he was fired from. But anyways, check out that movie. It's just look up Richard Stanley. Look up Richard Stanley uh, documentary. It's really fucking good. It's like it's insane. It's like a uh, Tiger King. But for like the 1990s and like directors, because he's like he's like, oh, you know, I, I I'm like a mage and like I I cast this spell and then it backfired. And then a- after that, you know, everything on the set went crazy. But then then afterwards, he didn't do anything for like 20 years until he made Color Out of Space. So he hasn't made anything at all, except for maybe some shorts. He did until the documentaries. This Seems like he writes stuff. He's been writing stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so this movie was a huge piece of shit. Dude! <laughs> I thought, I, I, I didn't think it was a huge piece of shit, but I thought it was really, like, odd. Do you it, like it, Andy? See, like- Mandy was better. I think Mandy was peak... Cage at his best, where it's written for him. This was him trying to recreate Mandy. He's like, "Oh, y'all like that? Let me do it again." It was too, just too try hard for me. And yeah. uh, the 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 best part of this scene was the the thing remake in the middle of this. Yeah, I love that. That part yeah. that was dope as fuck. I mean that that wasn't in the story, right? No, no. It, okay, that was so, pure him. Yeah, there. That was just like in the story, they become brittle and gray, and they they break apart and turn to nothing. Um, 
like uh, they got. Yeah, in, because in, uh, in, uh, in Lovecraft game. couldn't write this shit. <laughs> yeah, no, I I don't know. Like the other thing that's it's it's pretty much the exact same story, but instead of turning brittle and breaking into a million pieces and becoming like human husks, they morph into like one thing. Like they become like one character and it's really creepy. I I don't know. I, I thought the effects were really well done. And I was like, when I saw that, I was very, uh, surprised when they they first did that i was like whoa i didn't think they were gonna go they bit spoiler alert for that movie they take the the son and the mother and they just merge them into one gross human one gross mix of human being and flesh and it's like it's really disturbing (laughs) i I can't believe that no, I, no, I, I like that. that was I like that, part. but the only problem is uh, that I, I, I read a, a novella a couple, maybe a year or two ago called The Unyielding by Gary Shipley, I believe, and it's basically exactly that. Like, this the, these, this family comes home, and the mom is just, like, like morphed onto herself, won't move, immo- immovable, and then eventually the son starts morphing onto him it looks exact i mean it's described exactly the way it's portrayed in the color out of space mm-hmm. so uh so yeah i liked it but it was like one of those things where it was like i think this director or the writer definitely read this book yeah because it, it's described so- very similarly or he saw society from the 1980s. Hey, 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 don't talk about that because I want to watch that movie. I heard it's really good, and I want to uh, watch it. Somebody who told you is lying to you. So, well, this it's not good. No, it's not good. Oh well. Sorry, a podcast that you recommended <laughs> to me recommended that movie. So okay, but it it's it, if you like a scene from. Uh, uh, curl out of space. You will like the last five minutes of that movie. Okay. All right. So obviously, it's not been done. It's it's been done before. Uh, yeah. I mean, the thing is the ultimate. Yeah. Sw- right. Yeah. I, I I didn't think the movie was terrible, but I didn't think it was good either. And uh, yeah, I gave it two and a half stars. I mean. <laughs> That's yeah, great. I mean, it was all right. I, I think I mean, Nick Cage is Nick Cage. I do think the best actor in the whole movie was Tommy Chong. Yeah. <laughs> oh, whoa. That is a really, really low bar. Yeah, no, when you talk about they're, not, they're below it. When, yeah, when Nick Cage is the... was off of dude, Tommy Dude, but, but, but that's the thing is, like, from the trailer, eh, I knew that when you say Nick Cage, I'm not in it for the acting. I'm in it for the craziness. No, no, and know? I'm totally fine with Nick Cage's performance, but everybody else was so wooden and yeah. just like the other thing, like the mayor, like they're delivering lines in this way, like that it was they're delivering lines like English, like like they, like, <laughs> they, like like an AI studied English or something. It was really weird. Like when the mayor came in and was like, "Yeah, okay, we'll get to it. I need to go." Why does the why does the mayor know the hydrologist's name? Like everyone goes to this hydrologist for everything. Hey, a hydrologist guy, some science shit is happening. You know what's going on? And he corrects them, but then he kind of knows what's going on. It's like it doesn't make. It's a stupid thing to pick apart in a movie like that. I get it. I just think the movie 
was wooden. Nick Cage was Nick Cage, and I like Nick Cage for being Nick Cage. I'm not expecting great acting, but I am expecting some, some. Fe- everything felt off to the point of like I was uncomfortable as a human being. Like, so, like, 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 like I was watching AI produced movie basically. If you talk about bad acting, um, so there's something to say when Nick Cage isn't the worst actor in a movie. <laughs> And he wasn't the, the the daughter was terrible. The daughter was terrible. Uh, the, the mom was terrible. The, the mom was terrible. I here here's what I think. I don't know if you guys know this, but Scream, the original Scream, 1996. So everybody on the casts, Drew Barrymore, uh, uh, Neff Campbell, they knew Courtney Cox. They knew they were making a comedy like a horror comedy basically what scream is except for skeet ultridge all uh, skeet ulrich who plays billy loomis who's um uh what's the word um goddamn spoiler alert if you haven't seen scream in the 30 years it's been out he's one of the killers right he thought they were making a straight up serial killer slasher horror movie and so the way he's acting in that movie is menacing while everybody else is joking around so when he sees the movie after it's after it's uh, cut together he's like if you look at it they're in like two completely different movies and that's exactly what's going on here uh cage is doing his thing and everybody else is doing their thing and they're not on the same wavelength same wavelength but i i find it charming I don't know. Like I, I oh just, yeah. Like I, 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 you know that I love bad movies. This isn't even a bad movie worthy of bring watching in a bad movie day. You know. Yeah. I don't know. I just I I had so much fun. I just I really highly I highly recommend it. The feeling Pass of the, the feeling of a lot of the movie was like high on the verge of being too anxious. You know. <laughs> And I, I like I was it, it just felt weird. It just felt weird. I didn't dislike it and I didn't like it. Um but the visuals were cool, I agree. The special effects are great. Um I just think G Spot was just you know underutilized in the movie. How much do we love that the color out of space is actually magenta? I know, right? Yes, I think. But uh, but I, I was reading that magenta is actually like a color that the human eye has like difficulty processing. So it would be like the closest thing to some sort of indescribable color. So it's a good choice. But it, to me, everything looked like what, those mall ninja knives. You know, those ones that are like multicolored. And stuff yeah, like that? That, yeah. That's, that's what it looked like to me. I, I was okay with with, with the choice of, of it all, uh, of the color and all that. It looked cool. It felt cool. Yeah. But uh, what do you say? Pa- watch or pass, Andrew? I'll say watch it, but it's one of those things you can kind of watch in the background. You know, yeah, I'll, I'll amend my statement. Watch uh, purely for the the thing um, scene. Yeah. And, and and Zach's like favorite movie of 2020. Yeah, dude. I I don't know. I really enjoyed it, but you, okay. You it went to go me see. That you liked it, Zach, because you're like so into like. Yeah, the lighting was terrible. <laughs> no, no. Because you're not into like it, it doesn't seem like you're into that kind of movie, which is surprising because I'm more into that kind of movie and I didn't like it. I I, I mean I, I mean I really like I I really like the second half of Mandy, so like I like this, you know. 
I mean, yeah. like, like I, I like how zany it is, and I was just really forget. I mean, you're not, you both of you are not wrong. The the acting is terrible, but like I, I knew that it was, I knew it was going to be awful. I wasn't, I didn't really care about the acting. I was there for like, well, I was there to watch Nick Cage do really weird things, and then he delivered. Just, yeah, and, and and so Nick Cage does very very bizarre things, like a crazy mom cuts her finger off in a really weird scene. That was funny. I mean, that's all of that's like, and you know, all of this stuff's gonna happen before it happens, but it's still like really cringy and weird, and I don't know. It's like dinner. It's ready. just really entertaining to me. Like I just, I really liked it, and I get, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm I'm becoming more and more forgiving of these kinds of movies. Like I like I I recently watched um, Street Fighter for the first time and I fucking loved it. Like it's a terrible movie. Yeah, but you can but you have distance from from Street Fighter. You know, you didn't watch it in the time it came out. Like you know that you're getting into a bad movie. Yeah, no, and, uh, and you're uh, loving it because uh, it's bad, and that's okay. Yeah. I, I love movies because they're bad too. I no, but like, I, I mean that's the same thing for it. here. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like knew it was going to be bad the moment, like, and I saw it with Taylor, and like we both where it's like it's a Nicholas Cage. If Nicholas Cage is in the movie, it's like it changes my barometer for what type of entertainment I like. I just become automatically really forgiving, and I'm I'm. I'm okay. tuned into like wanting to see a certain thing. Like I want to see him go crazy. I want to see him like Out be an asshole. Stars. Out of five stars, four, dude, easily. Yeah. Miguel, oh, I give I, it two and a half. Two and a half, and I give it three. We're not actually that far off. Yeah, yeah, we're all uh, actually in the range. It of, just like, resonated with yeah. me. I, I'm just. <laughs> It just resonated with me. Yeah. <laughs> Which to me, three out of five is something like, yeah. No, that's a that's a recommend. That's don't a go out of your way, but if it's on, go for it. Yeah. I was I was hyped for this movie just because you know Zach uh, uh, hyped it up a lot, but yeah, it was. But you didn't was, like come to daddy either, right? I like come to daddy more than I like this one. Wait, uh, I like come to daddy. daddy the Elijah movie. Elijah yeah. Wood. Yeah. yeah. I didn't watch that. I haven't seen it yet. I just want to do a little intro into into the uh, next piece where we're going to write. I actually looked at this article on um, Wired, which Zach, a friend of the podcast, oh, hey. uh, Wired, um, and it's titled uh, "Geeks uh, Geek Guide Writers of Color." Um, writers of color continue to wrestle with Lovecraft's racist legacy, and that's Geeks Guide to the Galaxy, isn't it? Yeah, that's I a- think. Yeah, yeah, he's a frequent caller into that podcast. Is Daniel Jose all or, and uh, who who was all on that? Who's quoted on that? So they're quoting a, a author by the name of Sylvia Moreno Garcia, mm-hmm. and she re- it says recently won a World Fantasy Award for her anthology "She Walks in Shadows," a book of Lovecraftian fiction written by women, which looks really great. And I want to pick that up. Yeah, I think I sent that over that that I sent a link to that anthology over before Zach screeched out. <laughs> too much. I gotta read too much. Well, what time uh, will we be recording this? Midnight, <laughs> one o'clock. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and then she says that many writers of color were reluctant to contribute stories to the book because of his views. And says, some people of color would tell me, no, no, Lovecraft was racist, so I can't write that, she says. And uh, I would be all like, well, yeah, but why don't you put your own spin on it? 
And then uh, horror author Maurice Broadus agrees that writers of color should be producing their own takes on Lovecraft. Uh, he says that that really got he really got into the Cthulhu mythos by reading the works of one Victor Lavelle. So that's who we read next. Did, yeah. Who said that? Was that Daniel Jose? No, Maurice Maurice Broadus, horror Cause, author cause Maurice Broadus. He told me to read that. Uh, out of Black Tom, and I, you know, I don't know. It's just another book. Everyone tells me to read books, but uh, so I, I didn't read it until you know this this show. But uh, man, is it the perfect length for a book? It's one hundred and sixty pages or something like that. Oh, three three and a half hours on Audible. Can we please bring that back as like a staple can this just be what books are now just 160 pages there's a place for every length of book novellas yeah yeah it's It's not all about size yeah Yeah, zach you should know (laughs) i'm not talking about his penis ballad of black tom What's it based off of? Some it's based off uh, of some incident one. at Red Hook or something like that. The horror, at, something like the horror at Red Hook, the incident at Red Hook, which you know, I haven't read. Have either one of you read that one? No. no. <laughs> and, and am I going to? No. I read a. Uh, I read a. I read a, a review of the Battle of Black Tom. It was like uh, Victor Lavelle succeeds at uh, recreating, you know, like basically retelling the 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 story by actually having a story. <laughs> so I was like, pretty good, pretty great review. So it's like this. Um, it's in the 1920s, right? It's yeah. this uh, kind of. Was he's a black, um, kind of like a grifter, right? Well, he's yeah. a he's a panhandler or like a musician. Like a busker, the busker. Yeah, and, and, and he, goes to, he goes to white neighborhoods to uh, because they don't know much about black music and he's not a great musician um not a great singer but they'll give him money yeah they give him money but they also will pay him for some like kind of arcane books yeah right and that's how it starts off he's like selling this arcane book to this old lady Ma'at. ma'at um yeah i and from there, he meets up with this affluent um, white guy who's basically, um, you know, this yeah, go a on. cult leader, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, he's he's he. It's right before he like wants to start a cult. Yeah, he wants to start a Cthulhu cult, and um, you know, he's talking about like these elder elder god person that's at the, you know asleep underwater or whatever and he's he's basically trying he's paying he's like well i'm gonna have a party and you can come to my party and i'll pay you to play there right and i'll give you like 500 bucks and this is in the 1920s and that's like an insane amount of money right? yes yeah, it was like six months to he could pay yeah. for his rent for six months or yeah and like then like and everything and else so he gives him like he gives him like a hundred bucks right on the spot. And then like five minutes later, this PI and this, um, um, I guess just an officer just frisk him and mm-hmm. take the fucking money. And they're like, you know, we're, we're, um, 
like looking at this guy's under uh surveillance and so we're taking this money as uh you know evidence and it just it feels like a total shakedown and it's just like fuck like as soon as it happens because you're so happy for him you know you're like oh he's got this money and then immediately you just know that it's gone the second this happens but yeah i don't know it's like it's really engaging like you have you have this like this class and this race struggle right off the bat and there's police involved so it's like there's all this tension um and and then right after that then it starts getting into the more like eldritch like the more cthulhu stuff yeah but yeah i thought it was great i really really enjoyed it and this was my probably my favorite thing well i I like this and um robert chambers robert chambers a lot um but miguel what did you i mean because you're not super into the cosmic horror and this is definitely it's grounded but it absolutely is cosmic horror i mean that the very final moment is like a big cthulhu climax at the end yeah yeah, no, I, I I enjoyed this one. This is my favorite entry of what we've read so far, and um, it's no, I mean, it's it's not shocking to me because it was written what 2016. It's written by a black man. It's it's from the well. The the story is told in, in two two viewpoints. The first point viewpoint is through uh, Tom. What's his? I know it's Black Tom Peters. eventually, but it's, it's Peters or something, isn't it? Or? Yeah, yeah, but. Um, but anyway, so it's told through him, and then it's told through the cops. Point Malone, the, yeah, Malone. I just I just finished reading it, so I remember Malone. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> and it's so the first point of view, you actually get to see this world through the point of, this world that Lovecraft created through the eyes of the people he hated the most, you know, and and Lavelle gives his characters. First of all, he makes he makes his he he gives us back, background on his characters. He makes his characters likable. We care about him, and he gives them dignity. And you know th- that's whereas before I couldn't connect. I could definitely connect with these with these characters. But I was talking to Hillary about it. When you think about it, this is a very short, small cast. There wasn't a lot of characters in this. Mm. You know, you you had the main character, you had the the gumshoe detective, private detective. You had the 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 cop Malone. You had the father, and then the the cult leader. and then the cult leader. And yeah, that's yeah. So pretty much six it. main characters. The, the father. Yeah, so six, um, so like two main characters and then some tertiary. But yeah, the, I really enjoyed this one uh, a lot, uh, and I even enjoyed the flip at the end or towards the middle where they changed it over to the, the cops' point of view because I really wanted to know what the heck happened there. So we didn't, you didn't talk about it in your. Uh, when we talk about the plot of the story, but halfway through, so he uh, he's hired. To play guitar at this um, party, and uh, he ends up. So anytime they're in the cult leader's library, this I thought it was so cool. This aspect of it, um, every time they're in the library, he can move it anywhere in the world. Is that right? Is that what you guys got? It seemed yeah. it seemed kind of chaotic and random. Like maybe it'll be at the bottom of the ocean. And, and you'll see Cthulhu, or maybe it'll just be, like, down the street. 
Yeah. Cuz cuz he tried to stop Tom. He tried to stop the the character from opening the door because he didn't know what what was going to be on the other side. You know, so he seemed like even that was chaotic and out of control. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so he um so he's playing he, he got hired uh, to play this basically this henchman meeting, this Hydra meeting. And um what was he, it? it was almost like a recruitment meeting because yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was like before he was like i'm gonna hire a, a, is this white affluent white guy who was like there's a bunch of like people of color that i want to i want to create a cult with basically that's that was his end game he was like i want to get a bunch of people of color a a bunch of foreigners and then they're all gonna like get behind me and I'm gonna be the cult leader and you know you're gonna be my right hand man because he's kind of like he noticed that he's kind of like this mystic guy he could kind of see he what did he describe him as a, a like he sees the illusion for what it really is right that's how that's why he 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 brought black Tom onto yeah, I, I got to hear what Andrew has to say about this. What would what, you think, Andrew? Uh, I like the book a lot. Um, I thought uh, I thought the imagery was really great, and I did like like this like over. So he did something with Cthulhu that H.P. Lovecraft like failed to do. Like there's just it's not just a description of what Cthulhu is. It's like the doom, the randomness, all that kind of stuff. But also like this thirst for power that the guy's name Sudum or something like that. Right, the Sweden. Search, yeah, the search for power, but then there's also like this. But Black Tom had like this thirst for vengeance, which is like this really all-consuming thing. And he had a line, which you know I just read, which is like uh, at the end. I don't know if I should even say it. Should I say the? Just say, this is yeah. a spoiler alert kind of thing. Yeah. But when he cuts out the eyes of uh, Malone. Uh, he says, cuts out, "No, he cuts out his eyelids. Eyelids, he eyelids. Out he the says, eyelids. Yeah, yeah, he says you can't choose to be blind. Uh, you can't choose to be blind when it suits you. So now you always have your eyes open, right? Yeah. And it's like such a great, such a great, like evil line. A fitting. It's like a fitting. Um, it's a fitting it's, indictment of like of white privilege in a lot of ways. It's it, like." Yeah. You are not allowed to close your eyes to this anymore. Well, and 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 the reason why, right, is this character has witnessed the death of Black Tom's father. He was there. He didn't cause it, but he turned a blind eye, right? You Malone. know, he, Malone. Malone. Yeah. Malone. Yeah. And, and and so, like, I don't know. I felt like that's what it was. Just like so, and in in. In the fashion of like the the other is the bad guy, it, like that's what happens in this in this like Black Tom turns turns to turns out to be a villain, but at the same time like you're on his side because it's so justified. He, he his actions are just like well fuck the human race. There there's nothing here for me. There's nothing like. You know, there's nothing redeeming. There's there's something at the very end where he's like, ah, there's a little bit of redeeming. Yeah, he re- you know. repents. He repents a little bit, but at that point, yeah. everything had been in motion already. Yeah, but it's like, so he he really did recreate. All right, well, we're gonna have the other be the bad guy, but he 
he builds the story, makes you sympathize with them there. And that black Tom's the main character. And then you get the switch to this well, white character and you don't even want to be like, you're like, fuck this guy. I don't want yeah, to like, go back to him. You want to go well, back. Tommy but, Tester, Tommy Tester. But yeah. Malone, he, uh, Andrew really likes Malone. No, no, no. M- Malone is built to be somewhat sympathetic in a lot of ways. He's not, he's not totally evil. He's not totally right. Ra- he's still racist. But he's not totally racist. At the very end, he uses like very racist ways to get the whole police force in by saying they're stealing Norwegian blue eyed babies, which is like <laughs> the perfect Just, image of like, you know, of, of like, we, you know, the white, the, this white helpless babies in trouble and a black dude and a crazy white guy are fucking kidnapping him. Yeah. Um, you know, the police force goes and they and not they're not just arresting them. They're just like mowing. They down. have yeah, they have like a fifty caliber like machine gun blowing the place apart. But but Lavelle does something great with uh, Malone as Malone has to wear those goggles and has to like moisturize his eyes. Malone is revealed to be totally flabbergasted that a that that a black person could could be beyond simple he because he even says he's like how could this happen to me this the 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 blessing and the curse of the of 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 black folks is that they're so simple you know they, they, they couldn't come up with a plan like this he couldn't outsmart me how could the cops not leave uh with him in handcuffs he was so out of sorts trying to figure out how he got outsmarted or or uh or destroyed by a black person so it kind of like it also changes malone into like yeah you're a fumbling dumbass racist white guy that can't give any credit to anybody um based on skin color so it was, it, it was kind of like i don't know i feel like those are the hp lovecraft readers you know what i mean where they refuse to see they they refuse to see that there's a racist um, imagery that H.P. Lovecraft is always pushing. Yeah. Um, just because they like H.P. Lovecraft, um, but but I, I don't I don't know where I'm going. Yeah. No. No. It, it, it felt better. It, it felt like I was going somewhere deeper than I actually ended up. <laughs> I didn't go to the bottom of the ocean here. That's what she said. Um, all right. So w- one of the important one of the reasons why it's so important to have people of color specifically black people writing in this genre is because a scene a very important scene in this book was initially essentially happened in real life earlier this year with the killing of brianna taylor in her bed that's literally what happened to to tommy tester or, or black tom's father he's shot to death in bed by the police officer who breaks into the home he says the door was open a little bit breaks into the home and ends up murdering tommy tester's father while he's in bed because he believes that he's holding a gun when which in fact it's just a it's uh, a guitar guitar. yeah yeah and then what does he say not only did i empty my clip into him I, I, I reloaded another. <laughs> yeah. Relo- uh, reloaded and then emptied that into it. And this was written in 2016, and we're in 2020. In March of this year, Brianna Taylor is killed while she's sleeping in her bed. So you don't get that insight. You don't get that level of, you know, for lack of a better word, insight by a white writer 
in this genre, I don't think. So I just thought it's so telling how how, uh, you know, how important a voice uh, Victor Lavelle is right now. The other thing was uh, towards the beginning of the um, book. Um, by the way, arrest the killers of Breonna Taylor. That's what I say. Uh, the other thing is um, towards the beginning of the book when he first meets um, the – uh, the cult leader, I cannot remember his name, but Sudaman or something. Sudaman, yeah. When he first meets Sudaman and he has him at the house, and Sudaman is one of the you know, the father from uh, Get Out, yeah, you know, the lib, the liberal who's not I voted racist. For Obama. Yeah, yeah, I could, I yeah. would have voted for him again if I could, but know? then he calls him, he calls him like a like a ape or something like that later. Yeah, it's like yeah. he's, he's acting like he's like, oh, yeah, you know, you're you're a mystic. You, you you see through the illusion. I need you, but then when he he go he runs to open the door, he's like, "Stop that!" And then he you know calls him racist ass shit, and he's just like, "He's just like everyone else." Yeah, that's he, he's he is white suburbia. I am not racist. I have black friends. Yeah, that's what that is. But uh, in the in, in the scene that I'm talking about specifically is when he he's there for the the the, the pre date, you know, like the part that he's checking him out the day before, mm. and um, he has the money on the sill, and then he's like like hiding it if if he the guy's not if uh, Tom and Tester isn't acting right or whatever, and I forget what he says to him. But he says something to Tommy Tester, like that finally gets him angry. And he says under his breath or maybe even his head, Tommy says, like, this motherfucker. And he takes one step forward towards him. And that's when uh, the cult leader is like, oh, fuck, I, I said I went too far. He knows <laughs> that he's going to get his ass kicked. But if he doesn't, like, pull back a little bit. But that you don't get that from a white writer with with a black protagonist just this motherfucker like he's gonna get red I'm about to read this motherfucker I love that part uh, I think what you said about the Breonna Taylor thing is I feel like uh, if I had read this in 2016 I would have been like wow that's that's crazy right the fact that this was written in 2016 and now there's like a real life publicized uh, mainstreamed piece of news of Breonna Taylor being killed in her bed. That just shows that there's something. This this is not like fiction in the black community. It is like a daily, is a daily life. Yeah. Thing. No, no, no. Now, now you're gonna see all these white voices saying this type of shit because they're they're seeing it for once. But right, just. Know that this was written in 2016, yeah. and there I'm sure there's shit just like this that was written and, and how in, many, in the 80s, you know? And how many black murders go unsung just because there was no Norwegian blue-eyed kid in yeah. the story? You know yeah. what I mean? I, I bet mean, that, that, is it so? Atlanta child murders and all that shit. Like, no one, you know? So... Uh, another thing uh, towards the end of the story, it's I think I wish I had written it down, but I was I couldn't do it at the time. But, but Angie, you I remember since you literally just read it. Right. <laughs> uh, remember uh, at the time, uh, Black Tom, not, now he's Black Tom. Um, he whispers something to Malone. Yeah, he whispers. Um... Oh, God, it was great. It was, it was a great about, fucking line. Yeah, I actually have it right here, I think. I have the Kindle book. Up. Yeah. Essentially, it's like, uh, who cares about indifference? 
he and, and, and Malone remembers it later. Yeah, yeah. Remembers what he said. I'm just gonna look up for any difference. I don't know if it, I don't know if it was the word was indifference, but uh, Zach, do you remember? Uh, here it is. At here all? It is. Okay. Yeah, I got it. All right, so start started now. So, so Andrew looked up the quote. Here's the quote: "The seas will rise and our cities will be swallowed by the oceans." Black Tom said, "The air will grow so hot we won't be able to breathe. The world will be re- remade for him and his kind." The white man was afraid of indifference. Well, now he's going to find out what it's like. And this is it. that's him talking at, at the very end with his friend uh, Buckeye. Um, but you're talking about you're, we're talking about the whisper. Yeah, the whisper. Yeah, look which, up whisper. Yeah, that's also a great line. Andrew, did uh, Zach? Did you read the book or did you listen to it? No, I listened to it. Yeah. How'd you get it? Audible. Audible. Yeah, I'm not getting yeah. Amazon my money anymore. Oh shit! How, how did you get it? I just I, I bought it off of um, Libro. And uh, the money, some of the money went to Black Pearl Books, which is a black owned book in bookstore in Austin. Oh, nice. That's what I'm trying to do now. I'm, I'm only buying audio books and uh, going to go going to go through Libro. Nice. I just canceled my um, subscription to Audible because I just I haven't had the time to read as much. Yeah. So. All right. So listen, what what he said so finally heard the last words Black Tom whispered down in the basement. What he whispered was, I'll take Cthulhu over you devils any day. Yeah, that. Yeah. That is so good. And it's like, so so what were you going to say about that, Miguel? Like, that's a great line. That's a great line. That, that wasn't the line. I, I, I wish I remembered the, the line that I was talking about. But, but essentially, uh, it was saying... I will take the indifference of Cthulhu over, you know, the malice of the white man any day. And that, but it was—it's not that specific line. It was a little bit earlier, but that, that either, either way, both of them are great lines. And I just—I I love that because I, I looked up. Yeah, I looked up malice just now. It might be malice. I, I was—I was driving while I was doing it, so I couldn't—I couldn't write it down. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. No. Um, so th- this is just a, a great line, and you know you you get you get to see the humanity, and you understand the choices that he's make he's made because throughout the whole uh, throughout the whole story, you see how he has to temper himself, and he has to look down when a white man is addressing him, and he has to uh, say yes, sir, you know, mm-hmm. or no, sir, or or you know, basically. He has to make sure that he doesn't do anything to anger a white man because at that time he could get strung up. He could be killed for any reason. And so at this point, they've killed his father, unjustly so, and now he's lost everything. Yeah. So of course he's going to make that decision. And I like that he brought it back a little bit towards the end when he was meeting with his friend. Like like we said earlier, where he's like, you know, I forgot about these spaces, the spaces in which black people are allowed to thrive. Yeah. yeah, he said something about his dad. He said, uh, "At least his dad kept his soul, and his dad never lost his soul." Right. You know. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I think I found a line. What was indifference compared to malice? Yeah. Indifference would be such a relief. Tommy said. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's it. That's a great line. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it's it's filled with lines like that. Uh, it's it was really good. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, 
and and also divorced of any kind of like uh, messaging or anything like that. The dread, the doom, uh, and the and the climax at the end was just like everything was totally a payoff. Like it was just great to read. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, and I had actually had a couple of his books on my like um to buy list or whatever and i hadn't pulled the trigger on any of them but now i'm definitely going to go back and um there's one in particular i think we talked about it zach i don't remember 100 percent if we did or not he he made he has a graphic novel out oh yeah destroyer yeah um, it's it's about um yeah it's kind of like a, a a little black kid who's like a superhero Destroyer, maybe I've because I read a I read a bunch, um, yeah. by uh, Black American. He's, oh, so basically, oh no, it's it's Frankenstein. Yeah, told through the eyes of. Oh no, I haven't. Yeah, yeah. that's that's so the awesome. last descendant of, of the Frankenstein family loses her only son to a police shooting. She turns to science for her own justice. Yeah, so I definitely got to pick that up. Yeah, when uh, did that come out? That's, is, it, or is that coming? Twenty eighteen. Yeah, yeah, it's been out for a while, and it's on Comicsology. I wanna, I wanna read. Um, he he's done a bunch of novels too, some horror novels. So I definitely want to check those out. Yeah, he's my most uh, anticipated author right now. I'm, I'm gonna pick up everything. He was actually on an episode of Eli Roth's History of Horror or whatever, which is on um, Shutter. Shutter, and he he was talking about horror in the way that like only somebody who truly loves horror knows so I'm really excited to be be reading everything of this. Is that Eli Roth is it like a video or is it just a podcast? No no it's what's really weird it's both so they have a podcast of the uncut interviews with like Stephen King and uh, uh, just a bunch of other people but then they actually have the cut documentary series it's like 10 episodes okay going to like zombies and other shit slasher shit like that okay cool yeah I'll check that out yeah I I like this author Uh, I I was I don't know how I came across him I think I came across him on Twitter or something and uh, I kind of put like his books into my wish list on Amazon, yeah, but never like followed through just because I, I have like periods where I read more horror, read more crime, read more whatever. Um, but yeah, this was kind of like reading HP Love, you know, deciding to do HP Lovecraft podcast was a good opportunity to find like a a, a, a good contemporary author. Yeah, despite yeah, I'm HP Lovecraft sucking. I'm definitely going to be reading his his uh, books going forward. I want to check out those novels and that graphic novel. Yeah. Um, so what would we say? Recommend? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I highly recommend. Um, highly recommend. If you're going to – if I'm going to recommend one of the things that we read, I'd recommend this. Yeah. Same. Hard. Same there. Yeah. All right. Definitely well, for me. what are we going to do next time? Probably won't, <laughs> probably won't be a next time. We'll see. There might be a next time. I'll be next time. This was fun, man. I, I got back into reading novels. Let's do graphic novels. Let's do superhero stuff. Because <laughs> you're reading Invincible right now? Invincible. Well, and Miguel's read Invincible. Uh, thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Book Boys, made up of me, Andrew Hilbert, uh, uh, Zach Chapman, and I'm Miguel Villa. Andrew, where can people find you? 
You can find me at 5gkilledgod.com or on Twitter, ahilbert3000. And you can buy my chat book, Uh Uh-Oh Storytime, that I created with my wife and my daughter during quarantine. Nice. Zach, where can people find you? Uh, Just Google it. uh, Chappiefiction.net. ChappieZach. At ChappieZach on Twitter. All right. And people can find me at Miguel underscore Myers underscore ATX. A uh, new Instagram I just have created. Oh, really? yeah, boy. Nice. Miguel so wanna... underscore Myers. Myers. Underscore so that, is it ATX. after the Oscar Meyer What's going on? Yeah, here? basically. I'm going to be testing a bunch of different hot dogs and uh, giving ratings. I'm going I'm to go on Instagram on my desktop just to find <laughs> No, but I'm going to be uh, posting a bunch of my uh, horror collection, specifically Michael Myers, and just a bunch of different horror news and stuff like that. So brand new uh, uh, Instagram account. So I only got like one post up there, but I'll be adding a lot more stuff.